NAB 2022 is finally over, and after two years of no NAB, we all got back to Vegas for the NAB National Association of Broadcasters trade show back live and in person. I sit down and chat with Kenny McMillan and Damian Allen, who were also there at NAB 2022. We talk a little bit about what we saw, what we experienced, and you know what might be to come. Well, here we are back from NAB 2022, and this was the uh, first year that Pro Video Coalition kind of had a booth. It was actually uh, part of the Film Tools booth, who I believe this was also the first time for Film Tools, who is the uh, parent company of Pro Video Coalition, for those of you who may not know that stuff. And I'm sitting here with uh, Kenny McMillan and Damian Allen, even though we're not sitting together. We're going to talk a little bit about what we saw or didn't see or whatever happened at NAB 2022 kenny was there with the video crew which was mainly just kenny um and avery <laughs> doing video stuff kenny how was your uh th- hello welcome hello it was uh to answer the question you didn't ask it, it it was fun yeah yeah and then uh damien you were also there as well for a brief period yeah i, I had a bunch of meetings and in fact that's what was great about this nab was just it was so much easier to actually connect with the people in the business instead of having to deal with 5,000 other acolytes trying to get their attention as well. So it was great from a perspective of just getting business done. Well, let's start off with that. You were you can still do business without NAB and without being in person, but you do it over Zoom and phones and texts and emails. So this was like the first back in person one in a while. Do yeah. Damien, do you think that you were able to do better and more productive business by actually physically going to Las Vegas? Absolutely. And I don't know if this is just me or if this is a general human thing, but I personally find you can get a lot more done in a in a in-person meeting. I don't know if it's just the ability to have verbal cues or if it's just the sense of, you know, having a human connection, but I find things of a zoom, it's, it's almost like you're kind of half there and it's a little hard to communicate. I find it so much easier just even to just judge how people are reacting to what you're talking about. And it seems like I got way more kind of tentative sign-offs on deals in the two I was really there for you know half of Sunday and then Monday and Tuesday so really a couple of days all up and I got just a bunch of deals done I got to be able to walk people over to meet other people and kind of help connect friends to friends so they could do business and you just can't do that over Zoom so. so it sounds to me like you care not about the show floor, about the exhibits, the exhibitors, the products, the services, the salesmen. You were just there to do deals. Yeah, not these days. So back earlier, I was, you know, in my career, I've been at this for way too long now. But back in the early days, I'd love roaming the floor, seeing what's happening. Uh, and I don't know if it's just that the internet's kind of stolen the thunder of that a bit, where you pretty much get all the press releases online now. Uh, but to me, that was second, definitely kind of a peripheral thing. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm more post-centric. Someone like Kenny, who's in a production, probably has more value on touching and feeling some of the gear there, which is a little less important to me, I'm guessing. Mm, that sounds suspect, touching and feeling. Kenny, how many uh, <laughs> NABs have you attended, or is this your first? That was my first one, yeah. 
So wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So the NEB 2022, the the mystical NEB that maybe almost didn't happen. I'm I'm sure it didn't almost didn't happen. That was the first time you'd ever uh, been there, huh? Correct. Well, okay. So uh, this is a good, this is a good conversation. You know, you only, you have no preconceptions about what NEB was supposed to be like uh, than what you've read on the internet or watched in uh, YouTube videos over the years. What was your thoughts Upon leaving NAB, as you reflected upon that glorious week in the uh, Nevada desert, uh, you know it was fun because the other. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I never really paid too much attention to NAB because, like Damien said, you end up seeing the press releases or the videos or you know it. It all just kind of, or I guess you said that, but anyway, <laughs> I didn't. But you knew it, you knew you knew it existed. I, yeah. You knew it was yeah, a thing. So I did, but it wasn't really on my radar too much. But I'd been to Cinegear and stuff like that. And all that feels very um, quick and, and very showy. Uh, NAB, as Damien actually said, felt much more uh, doable. I don't know how better to explain it. It, w- it was very... Um, it felt clubby. You know, I, I, w- I was explaining to a couple people that uh, it, it since it was... It must have been because it felt smaller because everyone seemed to be echoing this. But because it had that smaller vibe, it felt more like a club that wasn't um, too showy. It was people trying to get down to work. And obviously everyone was showing off cool stuff, but um, it was uh, it felt like those conversations were much easier to have. There was no like, oh, who are you? Or, you know, tire kickers, as someone said. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun. So giant NAB that spans three halls that's so large you have to take an underground Tesla to get from one end to the other. That <laughs> felt larger and more or smaller and more clubby than Cinegear, or are you just are you saying it felt more clubby than how you thought it was gonna feel from NAB's past? Then Cinegear, although Cinegear is is definitely like a fun Cinegear feels like going to a cookout, you know. But, but it's, it's very all, small, right? I mean it is very small. It's speaking. very small, manageable to do. I think I only do it one day, maybe both days, but, um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You just quick, quick little breeze. Uh, and then, um, but I just meant the environment of, so like if you, if you were to think of something like an Adobe max, which feels like a giant party that you can learn things at, um, NAB felt very much like a, a business meeting, but not in like a dry sense, but just in a sense of like, uh, you weren't getting spot checked everywhere. Everyone just assumed if you were there, you were there to do work and it's time to like, um, talk about whatever it is that needs to get done. You know, um, Interesting. I, now, I, Scott, I, I heard people, Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, kind of, kind of what you were saying about, uh, you know, not, not doing zoom meetings or anything. It, it just, uh, it felt very productive, I suppose, but still mm-hmm. enjoyable in, in a sort of a casual sense. But it just felt like a very productive NAB. And that's what I heard a lot of the people at Film Tools mention. And Scott, uh, you you were at post-production world. Is that right? I did a little bit of work at post-production world. Uh, so was it the yet. same? I mean, first of all, maybe tell people what that is. And, and I'm curious if it was very different from years prior. Sure. post Post-production world is one of the conferences, like the the mini conferences that run alongside NAB itself, because that NAB is a big conference, but there are lots of other smaller conferences that are usually available for an additional fee um, that are more targeted, that are often classroom learning or talks or keynotes and things like that, that, uh, that one can sign up to attend. And post-production world is guaranteed, is uh, geared toward 
post-production, but not completely. There's a lot of production things that happen there as well. And yes, it, it was smaller. I did not do near as much um, classwork and teaching as I usually do in the past. It was, it was much smaller. There were less rooms uh, that were that were utilized. So there were less people teaching and less classes overall. I, but I think that um, the classes that I kind of poked my head in on that I was involved with were decently sized. I think like NAB itself, it was kind of the same, just like scaled back. I mean, if we saw the, the, the attendance numbers from NAB this year was about half of what they have been in the, uh, in the past. And I, I think that was probably considered a success. I would yeah, think maybe think by so. the people putting on NAB. Um, you know, I found, total total I found, registered attendees were 52,468. Wow. And, and it's been six good figures in the, in the past. And there weren't good a God, whole lot yeah, of good God, big or Good God small, Kenny. <laughs> No, that's that's quite a few people. <laughs> well, imagine twice as many. Yeah, I that, don't want how to. How would that feel? Imagine standing horrible. in the black magic booth with four times as many. Just really, no. that's always imagine. That's always an interesting experience on that day one. Um, yeah, there but, was there was a ton of people who were like, "This, you know, this is kind of nice." And I was like, "I I like this. This feels manageable. I would not want to do, as you said, twice as many or maybe two and a half times as many people." I haven't talked to anybody who's who has said like, "Oh, I really hope it's there's a lot more people there next year." So it's more back, <laughs> yeah. back. I wish the crowds would come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but you know, I don't know what it costs to put that event on. I'm sure it's very very expensive, and it's and they've got to have a certain number of people to consider a success or even a, a, a you know to be able to break even. Um, I mean, partly I guess that comes down to what how much vendors pay for booths and all that, but at the same time. You know, could they continue sustain an NAB that is only a fifty thousand person NAB? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they had a they had a whole new uh, show floor, right? That barely anyone seemed to get to. Are you talking about the wet, the glorious, grand spanking new West Hall? Yeah, I popped in there, and I, I mean, there were there was some traffic there, but I think most traditional NAB goers didn't think to go looking there. So. No, I, I think you're right. And I think part of it is if you've been there a while, you know that like the halls were kind of themed a little bit. And I think they seem to be themed this year as well. Like they had yep. some different, like they had these exp- experiential um, stages in the halls. That's where a couple of talks that I did. Uh, and they were kind of themed toward different things. So there were some cool ideas that seemed to be in place there. I ventured to the West Hall for a talk for part of the remote production expert, experiential, I don't know if I'm saying that right, <laughs> experiential um, talk room f- space. And it, and it was neat, um, but you're correct. Getting there to the West Hall was kind of a huge, huge walk. Like it felt so much further than like going from the south to the North Hall ever was. Like going from um, yeah, north. Yeah, it was definitely it used to go like south central north now it's south which south wasn't used central northwest so i went from um what would have been the north to the west and it was a it was a long long walk and i think um, i think they did a sensible thing though and they put like all the streaming services and things over there so those are typically sort of big business ventures that the people that need to go there will go there so that actually probably worked out for them that was the yeah. hall with like AWS and stuff in it. Yeah, Verizon, uh, yeah. you know, all the different streamer streaming services and compute 
in the cloud stuff. The the nerd hall. Yeah, and there's like radio <laughs> stuff in there and transmitters and you know yep. a lot of things that most of people listening here wouldn't wouldn't uh, care about. I, d- I did take that moment to ride the underground Tesla tube from the north. Oh, yeah, how was it? West Hall back down to the uh, central. I mean, it was it was cool. It's literally what it sounds like. It's dude or dudettes uh, driving Teslas through tunnels and they pack. You know, I, I was by myself and I got in a car with you know they they fill it up and then it just drives through the tunnel and parks or stops like slows down enough for you to get out and then they load more in and it just keeps going on a continuous loop and it, it was it was cool um yeah the, the big, only other thing i'd say any other thing i'd say just on a general show level before we start talking about specifics of tech and equipment and gear uh i there weren't a whole lot of mask wearers it seemed like for the most part people were like yeah we're just going to deal with the fact that we're being exposed to massive quantities of recirculated air. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I did not see very many either myself. Uh, you know, would you not think that a convention hall like that has to have a really good HVAC system? And I mean, the, it, it's always just, it's never I'm sure hot they in say there. they do. <laughs> Whether yeah. it really well, works. They say airplanes do too. Um, well, air, airplanes are in there. I believe airplanes a little bit more because you're you're so close to the intake and the outtake that it it probably does do a pretty good job in a hall that big where there's such a big open space. Surely everyone's breath mingles pretty quickly. So I don't know. Yeah, I noticed most of the booth people were masked up. Right, the ones that were constantly being exposed to everyone that came through, kind of thing. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you know if you were if you were there unmasked, which you know I did not wear a mask. I wore very little. I'm you know fully vaccinated. You did wear shirt, shorts. Let's just make shirt and jeans. Let's make sure I, that people don't I, get a I, mental picture. That's yep. I had shoes, and, shoes and socks on as <laughs> as well. And um, I mean, I kind of <laughs> you know it's almost like you're kind of accepting like oh you know what I I am putting myself at a larger risk by um, well they did I, we should mention they like everyone had to. F- fill out like yep. a, a vaccine passport and stuff. So, so theoretically yes. everyone was verified to be vaccinated and boosted and whatnot. So, yeah, cause you yeah. like, I had, I uploaded a copy of my vaccine card beforehand to get some credentials. And yeah. I think if you arrived there, you had to have a negative test and, uh, and they checked it by, uh, when you went in and they, they, they were, they were pretty like, like I couldn't find my verification number that I got back from NAB cause it went to like a spam email and they mm. were pretty much like, no, no, you need to find it. Wait here. Um, so, so good. Yeah, they were uh, on, yeah. on 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 top of that, which is probably kind of the new normal for I'm sure it years is. anyway. Maybe. Yeah. Which I'm um, to, to be honest, I'm fine with. It takes ten seconds to go. Like, here's my vaccination, and you go. Yeah, totally. I I I agree. You know, those kind of precautions are are a bare minimum and should be um, a requirement from this point forward. You um, got to do it to get into bars with your driver's license. Like, it's not it's not a new. Uh, what is this confounding new thing we've in, invented? That's right. All right, let's talk tech a little bit. So, um, yeah. the thing I was surprised at was everywhere you looked, there were eight K displays, eight K capture cameras. Everything was eight K everywhere. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> or did I, or did, wait, did or did I miss that? Was there no? Was there virtually no 8K anywhere? I think. I mean, no Blackmagic had those giant band. I mean, I I see it at every event like this that Blackmagic buys every square inch of advertising space around the city. Every building has a has a forty story 
dis- not display, but like a banner on it. And yeah, all their stuff said 8K, so 12K. I yada, can actually yada. tell you why they do that. It's not I think just the banners were actually captured in 8K. <laughs> the banners are probably shot in 1080. But my, my understanding is the reason they have all those banners is not just for the advertising, but the more they spend with NAB on advertising, the more points they get, which basically secures that golden spot on the show floor for them every year. So oh, it's, cool it's, it's almost a requirement for them. If they want to make sure they, they get pole position on the floor, they need to blow the cash on the on the advertising, which obviously works out well because you really cannot miss Black Magic when you go to the show. Nope, you cannot. Um, so my joke that fell flat about AK was the fact that they're, <laughs> they're, I would have, you know, you expect like every year it's like more Ks, the next K, you know, yep. there, there's lots. But there, I saw, I didn't see a bunch of 8K display. I didn't see any 8K displays. I even walked around the Sony booth and was kind of looking for one. I'm not saying they didn't have one stuck somewhere. I mean, Sony booth was still gigantic and dark and um, felt very plush. Um, But I did not see one in there. Uh, Yeah, very, very nice floor to walk on. But Um, a lot of 200K monitors, right? I mean, a lot of LED panels everywhere. So maybe that made up for it. It's got (laughs) millions and millions of pixels. Well, that's an interesting point because there were lots of, uh, and there, you know, there were some virtual, uh, some virtual, what would we call that? What is that term now? Virtual production stages that were, that were set up, which are quite high, high resolution, but that's sort of like a transition from, I need a 8k display that I can, as a passive viewer, I can sit there and watch and consume content on to the high resolution became these virtual production stages where, you know, it's active in the content creation. Like that, the, the high res is very much a part of the technology for creating the stuff to watch. So that was a, yeah, you're very actually, brilliant, Damian Allen, to make that uh, comparison. That <laughs> I did actually uh, visit the Puget Systems booth, and they said that their computers were running um, those virtual, at least the RE one and the uh, motorcycle display. Yeah. They all had Puget, and so he said it was like a 36 core Threadripper and an A6000, and the Airy booth um, was three rack mounted computers um of that spec 128 gigs of ram running that giant um display up there wow i mean there's certainly still a lot of technology there i mean out, out front of the um the between the north and the central hall was that tron light cycle crazy uh led wall with the camera on a crane kind of spinning around it and I saw, I think I saw, I saw McLaren somewhere that had, you know, if I'm seeing McLaren on NAB, I assume there's big technology of, of revolving around that thing. Um, oh, I thought it was just parked out front. Uh, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it's sort of a <laughs> thing where it's like, oh, if you got a McLaren or a Ferrari, then you're bound to be doing something, something amazing. Um, but the, uh, I mean, I, I do think in all seriousness, the big, the biggest sort of like buzz technology that seemed to be everywhere was, you know, cloud. Cloud this, cloud editing, cloud storage, cloud camera collaboration, to cloud. camera to cloud. Uh, camera to know. cloud, so sick. So, so I mean, is is was cloud sort of the thing of this NAB? Because always there's like one thing when you come out of NAB that's like, oh, that was the thing. Like this year, it felt like it seemed to me like it was cloud. I think cloud it was and cloud. HDR. I think it was. The, I also think, uh, yeah, HDR and virtual production. I do think this is probably the first NAB where your average punter has had a chance to sort of see these LED walls in action. 
it's still a little bit of a mystery. Wait, did, quite, wait, 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 what did you say? Your average punter? Is that not an American term? That's a, that an that's a British thing. thing uh, a punter is yeah. someone who who uh, works for who kicks the ball in American football. No, no, the pun, you know, punter's like someone who bids bids on race horse races. But you sort of a punter anyway. It's just a. A generic term for your, your average. Watch more British television, engaged. Scott. I'm I'm telling you, I need I need to. What's Bridgerton? Bridgerton is that the one on uh, <laughs> Brigadoon? Yeah. Next, uh, we canceled Netflix, so I, I can't watch it. Top Gear. Uh, I like Top Gear, but Top Gear is not on Netflix. That's true. You know, Top Gear has kind of gone down. It's the last few seasons have been okay. Like so these couple of, the, I don't know. We could have a whole podcast about Top about, Gear, uh, the Grand Tour. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. I like the Grand Tour is pretty good. I enjoyed some of that. The first season, two seasons were real. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, back to <laughs> what are you saying? So anyway. Um, so I, I was the one my one thing about the virtual production stuff was that I was amazed at how crappy most of the background environments were. They looked like really bad video games. And you know, I work with I do a bunch of consulting now in virtual production. And they actually can look very realistic. And I feel like the companies that were selling their wares either didn't do a good job hiring an art director or an art department person to actually put together the demo content. But if I was just an average punter uh, coming away from the show, <laughs> my reaction would have been, wow, that virtual production stuff just looks like a bad video game. Um, why would I so want to say that? I agree 100%. Were the walls they were using not high quality or was the content no, the assets, they the assets, put in the yeah. wall? So, so you should be able to look at the background. Like when you're looking at the final composite on a on a view screen, you should be able to go, oh, yeah, that looks like they're in a live action background. Like I believe okay. that they're in a forest or I believe that they're in the middle of a city instead of like the Tron cycle thing. I believe they're in the middle of a video game, which just – you know, for that one, looks you can like kind of get away like with it. like a video it. game. Yeah. For that one, you can get away with it because it's Tron, right? Tron is a video game. But for uh, for other booths, certainly you really want to be able to see something that goes, oh, I can see why I'm going to spend a bunch of money on this because it now I don't have to go to the Eiffel Tower. I can just put the Eiffel Tower in the background on my LED wall and, and shoot it. And well, I, do you I think, think this is... Is this because they didn't spend money pr to produce good stuff, or I've heard there's a real shortage of uh, of artists who can actually design properly for these probably type both? Walls? Yeah, no, there's definitely. I mean, Epic Games, who are really the biggest player in terms of, uh, apart from proprietary systems like ILM, they're the biggest player in terms of the software that drives these LED walls, um, and they're they're in a really heavy education push to try and train people because they really are. I mean, there are cases where they, I, I know there's one school in New York with spent like two, two and a half million on a stage, a virtual production stage, and has no one capable of operating it, <laughs> working wow. for them. So you have, you have situations like that. And, and so there's definitely a shortage. Uh, so I think it's a combination of engineers thinking something's good enough and then not being able to find the talent, even if they wanted to maybe. I think the money was with the marketing department because like I noticed the same thing and it just looked like they grabbed whoever was in charge of designing the various assets for the people, the, you know, booth babes, which guys and girls can both be booth babes uh, to stand in. It just looked like they grabbed like whatever free environment came with Unreal. But even that, it didn't even look like they were using Unreal because there's like you can use I know with Unreal 5, you can use that um, matrix 
demo, the game they put out, that whole city is available to you. So they could have picked a street corner or something and just plopped you down there and it would have looked realistic, but no one did that. Yeah, and there, there were also a lot of issues with black levels, but maybe that was partly to do with being on the show floor and not being able to light. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt on that one. But I felt like it, it was almost a step back, backwards for virtual production because a lot of people who were there checking it out would have looked at it and gone, eh, I don't get it. Why would I even want to waste time with something that looks like a kid's Saturday morning uh, green screen instead of something that's actually usable in a <clears throat> in an episodic or a feature? Was that, I wonder yeah. if that's probably because the people who are really doing this at a higher level already know what they're doing, where they are, and how they're getting it. Whereas this was maybe just more of a, we have to be at NAB because it is, it, you know, it is the trade show for our industry. And if we're not there, people say like, hey, where's, you know, where's View? Where's, uh, you know, so-and-so? Like, they're not here, so they must not be a player in the game. That's true. I mean, it probably was more the guys selling the panels that were exhibiting. Uh, most of the people I know that actually... Ha- our virtual production consultants or own stages here in town are just overbooked anyway. So maybe they're not looking to uh, pimp their wares. Yeah. Well, let's go back. Uh, so that's the, uh, the virtual production stuff. We kind of skipped over my pitch there about everything being cloud. Um, yes. What, you go know, back to that. yeah, I, I'd say one interesting cloud um, encounter I had, I was talking to a, uh, a company that's doing cloud-based editing, which is always one I'm always I'm not skeptical about it, but it's all, my first question is, how do I get so much media up in the cloud to do a quote unquote real edit in the cloud? And there's varying answers to that. But what, what one of the people I was talking to said, well, there's a company that is doing, um, it's, you know, part of the problem is ingress and egress fees and, you know, how much does it cost to leave the data sitting there? And there's a real cost associated with moving things in and out and living in the cloud. Yeah. And they mentioned a uh, company that I'm, I'm not going to say what the company was, but either one because this was not correct they were doing a flat fee for like for 12 terabytes it's a flat fee for that per month it seems pretty affordable so i went over to that other booth i said hey i was told you guys are doing something cool here like a very flat fee based um multi-terabyte plan for the cloud and that was actually incorrect it was it was a very integrated thing with their whole um, pipeline they were selling that did include that little element which made the cloud affordable if you bought into their entire pipeline that was literally from like, you know, rolling camera on the shoot all the way through post post-production. So it felt like a bit of a, well, it wasn't a bait and switch, but it felt like, you know, one booth was misinformed that what another booth was doing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know if you guys had any talks about like cost of the cloud, but when everything was so cloud-based, it all comes back, like I still keep coming back. What's the cost of the, of the cloud? And that's well, it's interesting because uh, one of the probably the main thing I'm spending my days doing right now is building for Film Tools a virtual machine network that's available to the public so that content creators can access it. And the reason we ended up going that way at Film Tools is because we tried to do the same thing during the pandemic, uh, during the sh- uh, shutdown, lockdown, whatever you call it. Um, we tried doing it with Amazon or Microsoft Azure. And the problem is as soon as you add a GPU to a virtual machine, they become crazy expensive. It's just, it's just ridiculously expensive. So for any, any decent digital content creation, even editing, you need GPU acceleration. And so mm-hmm. that priced it out. And the other thing was exactly what you're talking about. Storage is, it's, 
they, they make it easy and cheap to get your storage into the cloud, but keeping it there, moving it around and pulling it back down, they charge you crazy money. And so uh, that's really, we're actually working on a model right now where we can provide affordable storage as part of the solution. Because to me, it seems like that's the, the Coca-Cola offering in the whole virtual machine, virtual compute cloud business is like, yeah, we'll give you like the computer in the cloud for for really cheap, but um, we're going to charge you so much money and tax you basically on the storage. Yeah. Where if you really look at it, at scale, storage shouldn't cost that much. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think the numbers are realistic. It's like when you go to the restaurant, you, you're paying a buck 50 for a soda or two bucks 50 for a soda that's really worth 18 cents, you know, to the to the vendor but they got that, that's their huge margins are on those sodas man yeah and so i i feel <laughs> like that's storage in the cloud the same kind of well you're we're talking two different kind of cloud things here i almost think because there's the there's the cloud storage we ha- we offer cloud storage and you can have products and services that connect with and use that cloud storage versus like what you're talking about like a virtual machine which is your system you are at a at a sort of a dumb terminal running a system that is in the cloud so which also has to have cloud storage associated with it so there's there seems to be a lot of different ways to uh to utilize the cloud definitely Um, true i mean the problem with just having cloud storage is now you still have a a limited link between your computer Uh, for example if you're editing you're still dependent on the bandwidth of your computer right so if you only have a 20 megabit down um, then you're streaming from the cloud at maximum 20 megabit quality. Whereas yeah. if, if you are streaming, if your VM, if your computer is in the cloud, now you're just streaming a high quality desktop back and the computer has direct access, assuming it's in the same data center, direct access to the cloud storage. So the actual experience is really fast in terms of accessing the footage. Um, well, that, a fascinating thing on that is, and um, and and then Kenny, then I want you to talk about camera cloud because I know you love that one. Um, is that virtual machines in the cloud? If I'm working that, I literally have a workstation in the cloud that I am working on. Now let's multiply that times what the cloud, um, you know, big big pro cloud people um, want to happen, which is so much work being done in the cloud. If there are hundreds of thousands or perhaps millions of people working on virtual machines in the clouds, in the cloud, are there multiple data, data centers that literally have hundreds of thousands or millions of, of, you know, PCs or maybe Macs, if I think they could do that now, sitting there running in this, in the data center? Like that doesn't seem scalable to. Well, you know, no, to it, it, so the way it works is that you'll have one blade server that may be running, uh, you know, with a GPU in there, it, it limits the number, but, Anywhere from three to to I guess at the top end ten instances, ten virtual machines on one blade server. So it's okay. not like you have uh, not not like at, in the middle of the pandemic where where we literally had like a couple of hundred Z eight forties in the server room connecting to individual editors. In yeah. a data center scale, you 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 have that um, ability to kind of compress how many VMs are sitting on one blade server. That's still, I mean, only 10 per blade server. That's still a lot well, of blade and, and realistically, for a lot of GPU power, you're looking more like four per server. So it is, it is, uh, 
Definitely a challenge. Yeah. And that's some pretty um, high end stuff. Can you mention in like camera to cloud? And that, that's the frame IO product that, you know, that is, it uses the term cloud in the product itself. What, um, what, what did you dig about that? Because that, that's a much more sort of like, um, I don't want to say lower end user, but not, you know, not, you know, there's the high end stuff that we're talking about a company that has to have you know multiple blade servers running virtual instances. And then you've got like people who can utilize something like camera to cloud on their shoot in, in, you know, in this day and age easily and quickly, what, what was your impressions coming off of that thing? Yeah. So really what I was most stoked about is that we could have used it at NAB, you know, (laughs) instead of me filming all of these interviews and then going back to my hotel and editing it till six in the morning, we could have just had an editor still in LA, like at the film tools office, just receiving footage as I shot it and getting the videos out. Um, you know, by the time I'm interviewing the next booth person, yeah, that that first video could have been out. So for people who don't know, Camera to Cloud is a system that uh, Frame.io invented that uh, basically with the correct hardware plugged into your camera, um, once you stop recording a clip, your editor has access to a proxy of that clip. Um, and in some cases, you can even sync with a, a specific sound devices Um recorder you can it'll sync the audio to the video before it hits the editor and actually on the atomos i want to say shogun something or another um it'll actually stream the clip uh to the editor before it saves it so the editor's watching the clip get recorded before they have access to it so for for what i was doing at nab that would have been amazing because it would have been done you know Absolutely. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, there's n- absolutely no reason for the editor to have to be editing once the show is wrapped, re- regardless of if it's low budget or high budget, like to make, to make that linear experience parallel makes total sense. Like to schedule everyone at the same time, you know, it, it just makes total sense. If you can make that work for you, if it makes sense to have, the editor. And the other thing too, is like the editors another set of eyes, right? They can call in and be like, Hey, that, that last clip was actually out of focus. You're going to want to reshoot that or just, you know, having, having, you know, we talk about needing the VFX person on set to make sure that what you're filming, um, will work in post. Well, why not just have the entire post team watching it go down at their workstation comfortably in their home or, you know, whatever home city, uh, uh, office, whatever. Um, it just makes total sense to me. Yeah. I think there's so much about, um, the, the shoot, the production side of things that it, 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 you realize, you realize the problems in post, but that is often after the fact. And this idea of being able to do some of that in near real time, uh, even if it's just quality control is, is definitely, um, definitely huge. Now, one, you know, one thing we're talking about camera cloud is I heard, a, you know, a here and there, not a lot, but if you know, there's always like a few naysayers that, and one of the things I heard about that was like, oh, well, other companies have been doing this, you know, they've had this for a while. This isn't camera to quote camera to cloud, unquote, that isn't anything new. And my answer to that was often like, okay, yeah, well, show me where, show me, take me to the yeah. booth. I want, I want, I want to see, to that booth. but yet they couldn't. It's like, well, you know, so-and-so does this and there's been this thing. And if you connected these four different things, we were doing it for, and that was kind of like, okay. There, you can always do something a different way, but you know, I think it seems to me what Camera to Cloud has done with Frame, and now of course Frame is now owned by Adobe, 
that they have made it accessible and af- affordable for a lot of instances, including using the, I believe it was the Filmic Pro app on your phone, you yep, know, if you, you have know, the is, uh, filmmaker bundle or whatever is 15 bucks. Yeah. Which is pretty like, that's, that's, that's kind of insane from a um, the perspective of just the, you know, the average Joe being able to being able to use it. So I don't, I don't know well, if you called any of the other camera cloud like things, but again, I didn't, I did not see any of them. No, I, I didn't see any of them. And to your point about the phone thing, like that might sound, Oh, what, what high schooler needs to stream what they're recording to their editor. But like, I know news people, um, you know, are constant, the, the, the reporters that are out, you know, standing in front of the Arby's that just had a car run into it. Like they, a lot of times they're recording on their phone. I know plenty of reporters who, um, yeah, just set up a little tripod with their phone and do it. So, although they have their own systems, but in any case, um, to your point about uh, Adobe, now Camera to Cloud. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pimp this product. I do not work for Adobe. Um, now, uh, with your Creative Cloud subscription, you get Camera to Cloud um, functionality with I think they said two users and five projects concurrent and unlimited revisions or like uh, reviewers and a uh, hundred gigs of cloud storage on top of your. Adobe subscription. So for someone, and that's a hundred gigs of, of proxy, right? So for someone who's shooting a a short or a spec ad or something like that, that could potentially, or why did I say spec ad, just a regular ad, um, that could potentially be useful. But, uh, the, the included one in, in camera cloud is definitely for more, um, smaller, uh, uh, productions. Well, you you mentioned a word that was a bit of a controversial buzzword at NAB this year: subscriptions. Um, because yeah. a certain a certain company was uh, really going all in on the "we are not subscription," and that would be Black Magic. We are not subscription based. We do not um, sell your data. We do we're not monthly. We do not lock you in. And I think I think they are really. I mean, they're leaning into the fact that they are not a subscription service. Whereas, of course, Adobe. Since we just talked about them, and you know, I mean, Avid, who wasn't there, they didn't have a booth there. They are, and they just have different kind of business models. And I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is this is like another topic that's kind of discussed ad nauseum. It seems like, but I, I, I my my thing is always like, what what value do you get from your subscription? And if you get value from what you're paying every month, then it's then it's well worth it. If you don't get the value, then there are other other alternatives to. Um, you know, what most, any subscription that you would like to subscribe to um, streaming services in, included, because there are, are many of those, but. Yeah. I, I mean the, yeah, I, I agree. I don't want to pay $60 a month for Adobe. And also just on the note of subscriptions, like it, we're hitting this point where, um, well, let me finish the Adobe thought. I don't want to pay $60 a month for Adobe, but at the same time, they do release new stuff with these products that uh, are pretty cool. And I don't necessarily miss the days of like having to save up nearly a thousand dollars to buy the next creative suite or whatever, but you did get to use that depending on who you are, you know uh, that CS six subscription is still working for some people, but uh, to the point of subscriptions, just as like a sort of environmental note, I suppose, um, Everyone, all these investor types are going like, oh, we can get everyone on the hook for X amount of dollars a month. And it's like you I can't portion off percentages of my paycheck to all of you. Like I won't have money for 
stuff. If, yeah. if Adobe takes 2%, Netflix takes 0.5% and you know, whatever your car rental takes 5% or whatever, um, you know, at a, at a certain point, all these various companies are going to have dominion over your pay, your paycheck. Yeah. And then you just don't have money. Like it's, it's, it's an unsustainable business model in aggregate. Well, it, it, it is. And uh, you think about, you know, people talk about subscriptions and it's often like the Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Hulu discussion thereof, which is which is definitely part of the thing. But it is the other things that are asking for subscriptions, you know, now, which is a lot of the software that, that we use. Um, I literally saw a face bag, Facebook ad the other day for ty- su- subscription tires for your car. And I, I ran some quick numbers and I was like, you got to be kidding me because this is, you know, a, a set of tires, depending on what you get, you can easily really last you years. And, 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 it, and it is, it is truly that thing where if we can get a subscription, we have monthly revenue and our investors like that better. And that's like, that's what everybody wants to do. And it goes back to, you got to look at the value, but at, at some point you've got so many subscription things in your life that you're, you have no money left, left to eat basically is kind of. Yeah. And, I, well, I, I and we also you. have subscription uh, meals now, you know, we'll send you a box and you could use your subscription salt to season the food that you just got in a box. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, crazy. Um, what, what about anybody, any other gear stuff like, the, you know, with their lens, like lenses are always big on the camera side of things. When, anything else that you saw that was, that was, uh, you know, your fancy? I, I, f- I felt kind of bummed because there was a lot, I was basically doing all of, Whoever sent me an email, I basically said yes to, and then went and those were mainly the bigger companies. And I only got truly 20 minutes for the whole show to like wander around and see what was going on. And there's all these smaller booths that were putting out super, super cool stuff like Atlas, not a small company, but they had like a 21 millimeter, uh, uh, anamorphic. That was pretty cool. I wanted to stop by the Kinefinity booth. There was just one guy there because everyone keeps going like, you know, on articles or YouTube videos or whatever. They're like, you know, you, you guys talk about these big cameras so much. What about, usually it's either Kin Infinity or, or something similar. It's like, I just didn't have time mm-hmm. to go figure. Cause I'm interested too. But like uh, Avery, we found a case manufacturer, like a Pelican case uh, competitor from Italy that was able to custom cut you a case, like a normal size sort of Pelican esque plastic case wow but they would custom cut the inside of it to exactly your specification for like 25 percent of what pelican charges or jason cases you know for the custom insert and so like and they were telling film tools like yeah we'll put red handles on it and everything we'll put your logo on it for free blah 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 and uh i was like well i'm definitely taking your card and buying one of these immediately because that's i need you know we all need cases there was a um a robotic arm you know the the bolt uh, mm-hmm. robot arm. Those yep. things are like, you know, quarter million dollars, half a million dollars, whatever. They're huge. They're clunky. There was a guy who didn't even have a booth. He had a backdrop, um, just kind of placed in the middle of nowhere. And he had something, uh, it was called D2 motion was the company. Um, and they had a robotic arm called slim and it was, uh, I think, uh, like a hundred, like maybe 200 pounds all in the arm, the base. And then they give you a bunch of sandbags. And basically, you just place the camera as the DP wherever you want instead of having to code in where it should go. You mm-hmm. place it, set a keyframe, place it, set a keyframe, do all your focus with the Nucleus M. That's, I guess that's the one that they've integrated. Um, 
and then you can do some bezier curves to smooth it out and then just run it. Wow. And you have, you have a high speed arm and it was 128,000, which is a ton, but like cheaper and you can move it in, oh, yeah. you can move it in a, in a, you know, in a truck in an SUV. Yeah. Um, NAB is always a place to see those kind of things. It's, 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 it's pretty cool. It, it, you can find some amazing stuff. There's always a little bit of worry like, Oh my gosh, you know, how long will this company be around? Will they go out of business? Will they be purchased? But the, you can search the internet, you know, till you're blue in the face, but that being there on the show floor and finding something like that and being able to talk and see the product and mess with it yourself. Like that, that's still the, the thing that trade shows give us that the internet doesn't give us. And I, and I think for that reason, I hope, I think that, you know, it will, NAB, it will be here forever. Um, I guess the big question, you know, maybe to wrap this up is that, is it going to be back up to regular speed next year? I mean, you've, this is your, was your first year there. So I don't know, like if you arrive next year and it's twice as busy, how are you, <laughs> what, what's your, what's your gut going to be when you walk in? You're like, Oh, holy, Oh, this is, this is different well, this year. Yeah. I mean, working it is definitely different than just visiting. Right. Cause if I had a day to just walk around and see what was up, I think I would only for that size, I think I would only really need a day to walk all three, not all three. Cause one of them was just the nerd hall maybe, but, um, I think I could get it done and, and then go back to work or whatever. But, uh, yeah, having, having that be twice as big as a worker, hell no. <laughs> but as a, as a, Punter, as Damien said, Damien left by the way. Uh, <laughs> he, had dear he, he had to drop off. But um, I think, you know, it, it's the classic like uh, Disney World problem of like, oh, we want to, you can't do it. You just can't. And you have to kind of right. pre plan. But to, to your point, like, um, I, if you're just going to go and look at the Black Magic booth and the Adobe booth and the Sony booth, like, it's probably better to just stay home and get the press releases. Cause it's stuff I'm telling you, like being on the in, uh, dear listener, I'm telling you being on the inside and getting all these press, these pre-release press emails and stuff. Like it's all, it's all the same stuff you, you think is going to, there's no real like surprises. The surprises are going to come from as, as you were saying, Scott, like walking the floor and finding these kind of smaller people who didn't have the budget to uh, get those, um, products in front of you, you know, forced into your <laughs> Instagram yeah. feed or whatever it is. So no, more, having more of that would actually be interesting to me, you know, like that I would, I would love to see more, um, sort of, uh, skunk work style companies getting put up at NAB and, and being able to see what, you know, sort of that, um, perhaps bleeding edge of, sure. um, experiment, maybe not experimental, but just, you know, technology that people are, are coming up with. Cause you end up seeing stuff that you're like, Oh, I didn't know I needed that until I saw it. And now I want it. <laughs> yeah, t- totally. And I think that one interesting thing about, um, if it is back to somewhat normal size, it would be more people, perhaps twice as many people, but there would also be more vendors there for just that. The, um, you know, I, I say that, but let me quantify that with, there may be more vendors because there weren't as many there. So the show, um, the halls weren't as full, so there really wasn't as much to see, but also the cost to have a booth was down. If, if it gets back to normal, the cost for the booths will go back up and, you know, will there be as many vendors or not? I, I, you know, there will be more. Yes. But, you know, perhaps maybe not as, as many of those small, small vendors, because I think this year there was some more affordable space to be had, but you know, all that remains to be seen. 
Um, we will yeah. see what happens with NAB 2023. And I think they're, I think maybe they're doing the NAB New York in the fall. I may have seen a sign somewhere about that. Um, don't quote me on that, but if you're in, in, in New York or you want to check out the fall NAB New York, maybe check the website and see if they are indeed having it. And, um, I don't know, maybe it'll be, um, getting back to normal, but, uh, we'll see, you know, we're a year away from the, from 2023, um, NAB and we'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled. So yeah. Kenny, thanks. I mean, uh, well, oh, final thoughts. Oh, well, I was just going to say like the, um, kind of what we said at the beginning was the, uh, it did, it did feel like everyone who was there was really excited to be there and just like very, um, everyone was like getting stuff done and, and stoked on each other's products. It felt very yeah. familial in a way. Um, Absolutely. and I would hate, I would hate to see that go away with more people. There was a lot of like what felt like sort of uh, friendship is maybe too much of a word, but so that kind of vibe, it felt very, we're all in this together and this is really fun and exciting. And I would hate for it to get really big and to lose that vibe. Agreed. Totally. Well, we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, pick this conversation back up after the next year and we'll see what it's like then. So until then, uh, stay safe until NAB 2023.